Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to spend some time with myself, your host, Sean Claremont, and our very special guest here today, Dr. Nicole Byers. Nicole, how's your day going here today? My day's going well. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you again for taking some time. we got a really interesting topic of discussion today, a little, a little bit out of the norm of some of the things that we've been doing, but it was amazing, actually, because when you and I spent a little bit of time talking here yesterday, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, is this ever going to be extremely relevant to, I mean, not only myself, but again, I, I believe a lot of people that tune into the show as well. So for anybody who doesn't know, Dr. Nicole Byers is with Rocky Mountain Neurosciences out of Calgary here in Alberta, and she's passionate about all things productivity and brains. So if you don't know what neuroscientists do, or sorry, neuropsychologists do, don't worry, you're actually not alone. I didn't know too much on the subject before actually having a couple great conversations with Nicole. And neuropsychologists actually study the behavior on or sorry neuropsychologists study how changes in brain health can impact our behaviors so nicole actually works one-on-one with her clients she hosts a podcast called the bold life and builds online courses where she shares practical strategies to help others find more time in their day ditch bad habits reduce stress build courage to fight past their fears and ultimately help people reach their dreams which i think is awesome you are doing fantastic work, and as I mentioned before, both myself and I'm going to say anybody that tunes into my show, if not everybody that's actually out there, can benefit from probably all of those things, because I think we all have some of those things that are just ultimately dragging us down from our full potential. So our key topic of discussion here today focuses on all of us having the same 24 hours in the day and trying to determine why some people are just more successful and seem to get way more accomplished in the day. So with that being said, Nicole, I will hand it off to you. And I think that this is going to be a very interesting discussion and I'm going to learn quite a few things today. (laughs) Great. Thanks, Sean. Uh, I will take it away. But if folks have questions or you have questions, feel free to interrupt me. I tend to keep talking, but just jump in or raise a hand and tell me to stop. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um, So I've been interested in productivity for a really long time, actually. I've always been interested in, you know, why are some of us so successful and other, the rest of us just can't seem to get more done? Why can't we reach those dreams that we have? And for me, actually, my interest in success and productivity goes way back, back to an experience I had a number of years ago when I was watching, of all things, the 1996 Olympic Games. And I'm a huge fan of the Olympics. I know a lot of people love them. I watch them all the time. Super sad that they're postponed this year. But something I love the most about watching these elite athletes is watching, you know, how hard they've worked and how they're doing these things that for most of us, we couldn't even dream of doing, right? How many of us can dream of being an elite athlete? Maybe we dream about it, but the steps it takes to get there, we're just not making it. And I bring up the 96 Olympics because of this one really special experience I had watching uh, the U.S. women's gymnastics team. So 96, I know, is dating myself a little bit and might be a bit old for some of your viewers, but I'll walk you through what happened. Um, So the U.S. women's gymnastics team, they were um, doing really well in this competition, actually for the first time in a long time. I know if you know anything about gymnastics, you know, US is a powerhouse, like most areas have athletics now. They really weren't at that time, but they had a chance to win gold for their team. And there was a young woman, her name was Carrie Strug, and she was the last athlete to compete for the US team. She had to nail her final performance for the US team to win. And she was last up, like I said, on this event called Vault. If you don't know gymnastics, it's the one where they, they run down the runway, they jump on a board at the end, launch themselves into the air over a sawhorse, flip and twist, land on the other side. Like so she gets, she, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of fun, really challenging, right? So she gets ready, she's ready to go. She runs down this runway, jumps, flips over the sawhorse, lands on the other side and falls on her first attempt. And for everyone watching, including myself, we know something is wrong. You can see on her face, she's obviously in pain. Something has happened. She gets up, she limps back to the starting line. She's talking to her coach. We're all watching on TV, right? We can see, we know she's saying, I don't know if I can do this again. Something's wrong. It really hurts. And her coach is encouraging her to try again because she has to nail the second attempt to win. 
We found out after actually she tore a bunch of ligaments in her leg. So she really shouldn't even have been able to walk, but she had to nail the second attempt to win gold for the US team. So she starts at the start line, runs down the ramp again, launches herself in the air, flips and turns, lands on the other side, basically on one leg, salutes the judges and collapses in pain. Good news, she won, she did it. She won for her team. She nailed enough on that final performance to do it. But she actually had to be carried to the award ceremony to get her gold medal by her coach because she couldn't put weight on that leg anymore. And so watching this, I remember thinking, how can she do this? How can this young woman do something that most of us could never dream yeah. of doing, right? She shouldn't have even been able to walk on this leg, let alone launch herself in the air and flip and twist and turn, right? And Olympics and professional sports are full of these examples. I'm sure everyone can think of one, right? Where we're watching someone, we see them get an injury, they shouldn't be able to do this, but they can do these incredible things. And so I really got interested in, you know, what is it about these elite athletes that allows them to do this? And it got me interested in psychology, got me interested in understanding success and habits. And what I've learned over the years is elite athletes, whether they're professional athletes or Olympic athletes, they train their minds just as much, if not more than they train their bodies. And I think that's something that we can all learn to do too, to help us be more successful is, you know, what kind of mental training or mental brain hacks can we use to help us be more successful and do these things that we wouldn't think could be possible? Yeah, that's, I mean, that was, that was an amazing story. And I was actually sitting here and you do such a great job of delivering it because I was sitting here. Um, not, not a big sports person. I'm going to be the first to admit. Um, couldn't really tell you too much about what happened in the 96 Olympics. But as you were describing it, I could actually, I, like, I could actually visualize it, um, you know, basically in my mind of exactly what was going on, right? And watching, I mean, watching people overcome those moments of adversity, right? And basically pushing themselves through um, struggling, you know, struggling right through to achieve what ultimately, you know, that they showed up there to do are, it's always an amazing, an amazing thing to be able to witness. So, so while, mm -hmm. while, while I don't normally watch a whole lot of sports, um, those, those particular highlights of those things, I really love to see because I mean, it shows in a lot of, in a lot of situations, you know, the best, the absolute best, um, that a person, you know, that a person can, uh, basically show of themselves. Right. So, yeah. And I've heard, it doesn't have to be, you know, sports related. I love sports. So that's, that's yeah. my thing. But, you know, I've heard stories too of um, presenters, elite motivational speakers, people who do tons and tons of presentations in front of, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. They use some of these same mental training exercises that these elite athletes do in order to prepare for their presentations. Yeah. Um, high level CEOs use these types of mental training exercises to help you know, boost their performance in these cases yeah. too. So again, works for all of us, yeah. but it doesn't have to be athletics. And it's, and it's an amazing discussion. I mean, I've ran into this time and time again. I, I mean, particularly say, you know, say in the investment space or just anything, anything that requires a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of wherewithal on, on part of an individual. I mean, most of these, you know, and again, I'm, I mean, I'll speak to kind of real estate investing courses or, you know, that kind of like real estate investing coaching. A lot of it is very much focused on development of mindset. And mm -hmm. most people don't enjoy having to go through that process because they think like, oh, this is fluffy. This is nonsense. Why am I sitting here learning this? I showed up to you know, learn about the nuts and bolts and the mechanics of what it is that's going on. And in a lot of situations, it's amazing to see, you know, you can give two people, say, you know, again, similar backgrounds, similar, you know, similar social conditions in the life and stuff like that, right? Um, and basically see that they will get completely different results in a lot of situations, right? And it, mm -hmm. yeah, it very much the question becomes why? And to your, to your point, I think a lot of it is, a lot of it is mindset development. I mean, you can have, mm -hmm. you can have all the mechanics and all the nuts and bolts you want, but if, if your first reaction is you know instead of fighting that you're basically fleeing every time you know the every time the situation gets tough yeah i mean it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty short in which point in which point in time you're going to see that success so mm -hmm. just for you can use this example for anyone who, yep. who doubts the power of the mind but you know we've done research in, in medicine on again elite athletes and swimmers in particular and something if you've ever watched um a swimming meet what you you might see is that 
you know, these high level athletes like Michael Phelps in the US, they often sit before they swim and they have their headphones in and they're sitting and they have their eyes closed. And what they're doing is visualizing their performance. So part of that is they're getting themselves pumped up to perform. Of course, they're getting themselves in the right mindset. But we actually know from the research that when these athletes picture themselves doing their swimming stroke in their mind or whatever they're, um, you know, shooting the basketball, whatever activity it is, their brain reacts the same as if they were actually doing that shot or if they were actually moving their those muscles the muscles in their body tense as if they're doing them their brain reacts as if they're doing it so they're actually training their body and their mind at the same time using these kind of fluffy imagery exercises that are really strengthening their bodies and minds yeah Mm -hmm. and 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 i mean when you speak to when you speak to things like muscle memory right i mean that's Mm -hmm. that's very much the first thing that comes to my mind right i mean you have Mm -hmm. you have visualized yourself achieving it doing it making the motions and everything else and i mean your your mind and your body are now just kind of completely completely interconnected right as soon as mm-hmm. as soon as you know as soon as you issue the command right to to do whatever it is you want to do right i mean the follow through is already there because it's been done you know a hundred times before if if only in your right. if only in your mind so that is amazing yeah. that is that is Absolutely. super super cool um not yeah. to not to i guess embarrass myself even further with my lack of sports knowledge but my my understanding is even somebody like uh, Michael Jordan from what I mean from, I believe from what I had heard at least at some point in time that was very much something that he would do consistently right he would just he would sit there he would visualize himself doing the you know the th- the free throw or whatever it is he was doing right um, and basically as soon as he had done it in his brain a hundred times and it actually executed that right I mean just you know I'm gonna say the vast majority of times I mean as soon as he'd make that shot he'd get it so mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And the kind of going back to our our productivity discussion, as great as our brains are, and we know that we can do these amazing things, sometimes that works a little bit to our disadvantage in that (laughs) some of the, the tricks that your brain uses to kind of get you through the day can actually be making us less productive and can make us less efficient day to day. And I know we wanted to talk about some of those things. One of them that comes up a lot is that idea of multitasking. Mm-hmm. We get asked about that all the time. You know, people will say, oh, I, that person's such a great multitasker. And it, it's like this idea of multitasking is this goal that we all want to achieve. We want to be the best at doing a million things at once. Unfortunately, our brains are super bad at doing that. <laughs> our brains are <laughs> not good at multitasking. Actually, we can't multitask in the way that most people think that we do. What we do is we shift our focus really fast back and forth between two tasks. So if I am listening to someone talk and I'm trying to type out an email at the same time, my brain is actually not doing those tasks at the same time. It's really quickly shifting back and forth. Mm. Makes sense then that we're super inefficient when we try to multitask. Right. So, so if I'm trying to do these two things, I'm not doing either of them very well. So here's an interesting question for you. Um, and we'll, we'll continue on definitely on, on that topic of discussion, because I think it's incredibly fascinating. Do, is there a is there a um, I guess any scientific evidence to suggest that particularly, say, as you get older, time goes on, all that type of thing um, that you have that you have less ability to. I'm not going to say multitask. I'm going to say switch your focus back and forth very, very quickly, because I found that even for myself, I mean, 10 years ago, I was able to do what I'm going to, you know, basically say was incorrectly multitasking, right? I could do three mm-hmm. different things at a time. I could, I'd be, I, you know, I could be on the phone having a conversation. I could be typing something on the computer and I could also be, you know, engaged with somebody who is, you know, physically around me or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. I basically have enough focus now to do one thing at a time. And if I am, <laughs> and if I am working on the computer and particularly if I am focused very intently on doing something, uh, if someone, if someone is talking to me, I, I, I literally don't even hear it. Right. And mm-hmm. I, and I get in trouble with this consistently with my wife of uh, right. Uh, yeah. Usually because unless I actually take my hands off the keyboard, turn myself, look at her directly. Um, I don't, I don't even hear it anymore. It's, it's the, it's the strangest thing. And again, I, I, I can't necessarily earmark a certain point in time at which it happened. I'm just going to say, probably sometime in the last couple of years. And from what I noticed, a significant difference than what I was able to do, say, 10 years ago again. Yeah, definitely. So there there are absolutely age-related changes in our brains. Um, so our thinking efficiency and our thinking speed actually peaks 
in our early 20s or so. So we're at our most efficient in terms of how quick our thoughts are, how efficient we can do that switching, that quick switching yeah. in our early 20s. And then that thinking speed, unfortunately, starts to go down for all of us after that. Not going to tank, right? Like, no. obviously, we're very successful into later life. But definitely, that thinking efficiency does go down. Um, often, too, there are some other kind of factors at play. You know, if in in your 20s, life was probably a little bit different from what life looks like for you now. Maybe your sleep was different. Maybe the number of things that you had on the go was yeah. different. Like I know for me, when I was in my early 20s, like I was in university, that's all I was doing at the time, right? Like no family, no other stuff to deal with. All of that other stuff takes up space in the brain and reduces our efficiency too. Right. Even if it's good stuff, even if it's good things that we have going on, again, our, our brains only have so many resources, right? So if they're, if you're trying to focus on a task and you have all this other stuff taking up brain space at the back of your mind, pulling resources away from what yeah. you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Let's talk a little bit about like, social media influence, particularly as it relates to this. So, so again, I mean, I'm of the I'm of the generation where, let's say, as a as a as a young child or something like that. I mean, I would sit on the couch. I've got the TV remote in hand, and I'm kind of just clicking, right, looking for something to watch, something to kind of grab my attention and look at it, right. I think those motions or those reactions are very similar to say, you know, grabbing your phone, pulling up Facebook, and just da 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 da, da right, just basically trying to figure out you know oh i'm looking for something again to to grab my grab my attention right mm -hmm. so how i guess what's your opinion on social media and particularly i guess the uh, when you when you talk about things taking up too much room in your brain and something mm -hmm. like that is it have you i guess if you noticed any specific um i'm gonna say you know negative negative results as, as something like that or or is it basically just that you know it yeah it gets a bad rep but it's it's no different than say channel surfing you know was 20 years ago yeah there are some similarities for sure right but there are also some differences in particular so social media apps are designed by experts to keep you on the app, right? They want you to stay scrolling through your feed all the time. That means they have set up the way that social media looks is designed to keep us paying attention to it. It's designed to be a bit addictive, actually, right? Like they want you to stay looking at the app. So the the colors that they use, the spacing that it's used, the even the frequency with what you see new images when you're scrolling is all designed to keep you there. So a little bit different than TV in that way, right? When 30 years ago and we only had 10 channels and we're flicking through, there's only so much variety, right? Yeah. But when we're constantly, you know, being given all of that variety and all of that stimulation can really pull us in and then, yeah, really yeah. zap some resources. Yeah. And, and I guess the other side of it too, and I, did, I mean, I didn't even think about this until you had just kind of mentioned that is really, I mean, the content, the content that you're seeing through social media is of course curated to yourself too. Right. So yes. it's not that it's not that when, you know, when you, you know, when you scroll that you're seeing the exact same thing that, you know, the person beside you is seeing. Right. I mean, it's, you know, through whatever complicated algorithms have been determined, they ultimately determined that this is what you want to see, which is kind of scary, yeah. actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> it is super efficient. It's great when right away the first thing I Google is what I want to find, but also, yeah, yeah a little bit intrusive, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's talk a little bit about, say, uh, to-do lists, um, uh, you know, pr procrastination, deadlines, mm -hmm. those types of things. Um, so, yeah. this, so this is something that I am, I am extremely guilty of. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to say in my, in my corporate life, particularly, I had a, I had a reputation of just being like, basically like an executor, right? Somebody, somebody that could get things done. Right. And I would, and I would take my book at the beginning of the week. Right. I would, you know, write in there all the things that needed to be done. I would a lot of times, you know, cause I had, I had two assistants working for me at the time. Right. So if there were things that they needed to do, right. I would kind of color code those, put stars beside them, put, you know, initials and all that other kind of stuff. Um, and in general, I found that being a relatively effective way of getting things done. Now, I know that to-do lists in general seem to get this seem to get a very a very bad rap. Um, and again, maybe it's maybe it's kind of more suited on the personality of the person. But you know, very very interested to know maybe what your take is on something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Pros and cons for sure. I am also a huge fan of lists, and from a, a brain perspective, I love lists. And there's a few reasons for that. One is it's less that your brain has to deal with, 
day to day. So if I write down my to-do list and just like you described, if I go through my week and plan out, okay, I need to do X, Y, and Z throughout the week, that means it's one less thing on my mind. I'm not thinking about, oh yeah, I got to get that stuff done. I got to get that stuff done. That's another type of multitasking, right? right? If my brain is always thinking about planning the next step and trying to keep track of all those things I need to do, that's really distracting for what I need to get done. Having the written lists as well also gives your brain uh, a bit of a reward, right? So you check off the to-do list, you have it done. That's reinforcing for our brains. Our brain says, woohoo, that was great. I checked this thing off. That feels good. It's a good motivator, a good motivator (laughs) to do the next thing. And incredibly satisfying. And I mean, and I've tried to, I've tried to describe that feeling to people, right? And just like the overall sense of pleasure it gives me, you know, to, to, you know, to check that box or to kind of cross it off the list. And I've had some people look at me like, what's wrong with you, right? Like, that's like, that's what you're getting enjoyment out of these days. But I don't know. Again, I mean, the brain, I mean, that's just how the brain works, right? So what what do I know? (laughs) Yeah. The, yeah. No, absolutely. I that's that's how I view them too. The trouble I see with some folks and to do list is they can get a bit out of control. Yeah. And so if you have a to do list and I have thirty things written on it, and realistically I'm only going to get through two or three of those during the day, what can happen is we get to the end of the day and we feel like we failed. Right? Yeah. I had these twenty things. I only got two checked off. Oh my gosh! Now I feel over even more overwhelmed. You lay down at night, you try to go to sleep, and all you're doing is thinking about all those things on the to-do list that you didn't get done, right? That's not great for our brain health. That's not great for our motivation. And so, you know, what I always encourage with to-do lists is really thinking about what is the priority for me? What is the thing or the couple things that are going to make the most difference in my life if I do them today? And maybe these other things aren't quite so important. If they get done, great. But if they don't, I'm not going to beat myself up because I didn't get them done today. When I did my real estate coaching program, it was interesting. So one of my, I mean, one of my key coaches, um, something, something that he had said to me, and there's, so there's two, two things specifically I'd like to kind of dive into here a little bit, right? He, one of the, one of the concepts he said is he said, you know, our brains basically have a limited amount of decision making that we can do in a day, right? And I, and I found that fascinating because again, I was also the one that would build these gigantic, you know, to do lists, right, of everything under the sun that I could think that needed to be done, and mm-hmm. I you know, some, sometimes feeling somewhat overwhelmed and even defeated at the end of the day that I ultimately didn't get done everything that I wanted to get done. Right. Then, and I can't remember what, what exactly what number he said, but I, you know, I'm going to say, say it was so something like, you know, you can make say 15 decisions in a day or something like that. Right. And then basically after that point, right. I mean, any, any decisions you make um, ultimately may, may not be the great ones or the right ones. Right. Mm-hmm. And he had talked a lot about, you know, simplifying, in a lot of instances, say simplifying your life so that things, even such as you know your wardrobe, right? And we and we heard a, and we heard a lot, this a lot from guys like you know, like say like Steve Jobs, right? Where, where they would basically wear the same thing every day because it was one less decision that they had to make in that given mm-hmm. day. So, what's your what's your take on that side of things? Yeah, absolutely. So our our brains only have a finite amount of resources, right? I don't know if there's a set number of decisions we're actually able to make. It probably depends on the individual and the type of decision that you're making, but definitely there's only so many resources to go around. And every time we're using our brains to make those decisions throughout the day to work on different projects, we're using up those resources. And so any way that we can get our brains into a routine is totally gonna be beneficial, right? If you're wearing the same thing every day, if you're eating the same thing every day, you know, that's one less, thing your brain has to think about. Yeah. I know my family's made fun of me for years because I eat, I have Cheerios for breakfast every morning and I've had Cheerios <laughs> for breakfast for like 15 years at least, yeah. right? But I never have to think about what I want to eat for breakfast. I know I get up and I have Cheerios. And I know I've been talking a lot to folks lately, especially about this idea of a routine with so many people working from home. And that's a new thing for so many of us. Yeah. And it, it makes sense, right? So if I'm going into my office to work, My morning routine probably looks something like I get up, I get dressed, I brush my teeth, I have my breakfast, I drive to my office, I get into my office, I sit down at my desk. All of those steps are cues for your brain that it's time to work. Me driving to work is a cue for my brain. I'm going to work. I take the same route every day. If you've ever had that experience of getting to work and not really known how you got there, that's how you do it, right? Is your brain is not really actively thinking about it because it's done it so many times it just takes you. That's to right. work. Um, but when we're working from home, our brain is having to make a lot of decisions that we don't normally have to make. 
So if I'm getting up, I'm maybe not getting dressed, I'm staying in my pajamas, I don't really have a designated workspace. It's really confusing for our brains and our brain is having to rethink what work means. Yeah. So things I recommend, you know, having that routine in the morning, even when you're working from home, getting up at the same time every day. Maybe you're not putting professional business clothes on, but getting dressed, right? Cueing your brain that I'm actually gonna do something today. <laughs> not working on the couch, having that designated yeah. space. That's when I get into the space, that's my brain is getting into work mode. Definitely reduces that effort that your brain has to do. Yeah. And I imagine that like that is something that is probably just been absolute chaos for everyone here these last couple of months. Um, again, I mean, own personal experiences. I was used to basically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I take Valora to school, right? Her school starts at this time, right? I do whatever in that six hour period before I got to go pick her up and then would typically bring her home, right? Mm -hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I had a little bit more, a little bit more flexibility in my time and that type of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, what a, what a, what a way to basically just kind of turn your whole life upside down when all of a sudden, yeah, whatever routine you had, it just ends and it just kind of ends all of a sudden. Yeah. That's, I imagine that, I imagine that that has probably been a common thing for a lot of people these past couple of months, particularly right. As they've been, you know, moving into, you know, and I, and I hate using this term because I've heard it about a hundred, you know, a hundred thousand times now. Right. But the new normal of the situation that, uh, that's ultimately been presented. So. That's right. And again, it's, if our brain is used to that routine of getting up and having that set schedule and that's taken away, my brain has to think even harder about how to solve that problem, right? These things that weren't problems before, I didn't have to think about what I was going to do each day because I always got up and went to work and I always did X, Y, and Z at work. Now your brain is having to do that, taking away energy, taking away that decision-making power for your brain. Mm. That's good. Something else that I just thought of, um, another, another thing that, um, that my coach had actually mentioned to me. One of the things that he talked about, particularly in, in a situation where you can't, say, get into a routine or, you know, change a habit or something like that. Um, so, again, he had this theory that, you know, decisions, I guess, or I shouldn't say decisions, but I guess changes, changes in your routines or changes in the way that you do things ultimately come from either situations of great pleasure or ultimately come from situations of great pain, right? So having going through some sort of experience in that where it's significant enough, where in some situations, I think it's, you know, you're not necessarily just making the change, whether it's a lifestyle change or, you know, whatever the change is, right? But you're not just making the change because you want to, or, hey, it would be fun and maybe I should do this, right? Now, all of a sudden, you know, the value of this change has been, exponentially more than what it was before. So just kind of curious your thoughts on, on those types of situations too. Yeah, great question. So our, our brains don't like change. They would prefer to do the exact same thing every day, all the time, right? <laughs> our brains are, are really good at learning, but they don't like changing that learning once that routine has been put in place. They want to keep doing the same thing. And so you're right, often what it takes for us, you know, we can, want to change as much as we want, but, but really to be able to make that change, either what's happening right now, whatever behavior or habit you're doing right now has to be interfering with your life so much that it's aversive. You don't want to do it anymore. Or the benefits of that new behavior are so great that it wills your body to change, right? And the reason that we're not changing right now is that even though our current habit might not be great and it might not be ideal, it's doing something for mm -hmm. us, right? And that fear of what we don't know, that fear of that, ah, if I change, it might not work out or it might be even worse in the current situation that I'm in holds us back, right? We're not pushed enough to make that change. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but again, like this is a lot of groundbreaking material that can apply to almost anyone. <laughs> I mean, when you talk about, when you talk about, you know, the core, really the core and the roots of, I, I think what ultimately kind of gets lumped into this category of mindset or something like that, right? You know, like, mm -hmm. like really the rewiring the brain or, you know, thinking, thinking things in a different way, uh, taking different approaches on things. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is really the thing at the end of the day, which would ultimately determine as to whether or not you can be successful with something or not. Right. And yeah, I mean, I just, 
No, this is great. I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to do this. I I personally am getting a lot out of this, even if nobody else is. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so I'm something. Glad it's helpful. So something I wanted to kind of toss out here too. Um, so we're again we're we're about uh, 30 minutes into this, and I'm loving every minute of it. Um, if anybody who's tuned in does have a question um, for Nicole, please just post it in the chat. Uh, feel free to ask whatever. Uh, Nicole, basically, I did I, I did have her permission ahead of time that everything's everything's free game again within the topic of what we're of what we're talking about. But I think that I mean, if you if you ever wanted a great resource to you know to ask these questions to, and again to get a you know not only a not only a professional's opinion on it, but also somebody who is also very passionate about this uh, about this the science the underlying science behind this too, uh, please throw it in the chat and we will make sure that it gets addressed here on air or. At least, at least not while we're live, we'll make sure that we kind of do like a little bit of a follow-up after the fact. So, mm-hmm. great. So going back to the initial kind of topic of, you know, why why ultimately some people can get more things done in a 24-hour day than others. And I think, and I think I've got a very good understanding of, you know, maybe some of the, some of the underlying conditions of that. And we've talked, and we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of various hacks to kind of um, improve productivity. But if you had to say, I mean, if, is there a, is there a probably like a master blueprint, right? Or at least say like a great place that somebody could start if they're saying, yeah, my, no, you know, my, my life, or at least my brain is a little bit of a mess in this regard. I really need to do some, say some strong internal work on, on some rewiring, you know, getting, getting these bad habits that on my life kind of moving in the right direction. What, where would you suggest somebody starts? Cause I think, you know, to, to the point about, you know, these very long to-do lists being overwhelming. Like I imagine that, you know, this entire process can also be very overwhelming too. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Usually what I recommend starting with is, you know, getting a picture of what life is like for you day to day and where you feel like you're doing well and where you feel like you're struggling. And so even something as simple as carrying around a journal for a couple of days, tracking what you're doing each day, what am I actually doing during these time periods? How often am I picking up my phone and checking through social media? How often am I writing out a paper and then I'm checking my email because it pops up? How often is someone interrupting me? with a question. And I find a lot of us are surprised at how many interruptions and distractions we actually have during the day, how many things are actually pulling energy and pulling resources away. So we're not staying as efficient. So kind of tracking what my day looks like, what am I spending time on? And then, you know, which of those habits can I change at that point? It's very interesting, particularly that your podcast took took a focus on you know bring bring a lot of, bring a lot of education to say you know I I think you had basically said like working moms or stay at home you know stay at home moms right mm-hmm. and and I get it and I and I can see it particularly now more more as you know as I kind of as I continue going going down this path and and again having these conversations with you because I remember in a lot of situations right I mean you know young young child at home my wife my wife Jennifer was at home right um, I was leave I would go to the office right I would go to work I would have a productive day and sometimes I would come home and I would look around and I'm like what happened right. <laughs> like, 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 like what happened here kind of thing right and I think if there's one thing that I that I understand more now is those consistent distractions that a person can actually get in a day can a lot of times really derail any any productivity or, or any motions that you were trying to make to actually get something done anyways. And I know, again, speaking to COVID and everything else, I mean, just having Valora at home here a lot more, a lot more consistently in these last couple of months. Yeah, I mean, there are just a whole lot more distractions in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we I talk in a lot about physical distractions, so things that interrupt you, but there's also the mental distractions too, right? It's, you know, what's going on in my environment that could be distracting me, but what's also going on in my mind that's distracting me. And we all have thoughts, right? There's all things, we all have things that are going on in our minds, whether we're running through that mental to-do list or if we're working on a project, but we're distracted by something else that we feel like we should be working on. Those mental distractions reduce our productivity, too, right? It's just the same as if, you know, you had your toddler running in and interrupting you all the time. When those thoughts are coming in, those stresses, those worries, those things that are going on in your mind, that's going to pull your resources too. Yeah. Yeah. Just the, the complete organizational chaos of the whole thing. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. let's, let's talk a little bit about your podcast. So again, we had, we had talked about, you know, your, your ultimate 
uh, or maybe not say your ultimate, but I guess one of the underlying reasonings for do it right was really to bring a lot of a really to bring a lot of education to say you know working moms, stay at home moms, and that type of thing. Why mm-hmm. why specifically did you I guess did you want to kind of focus on that? Do you think do you think that in general there are maybe say you know more more kind of underlying uh, I mean that's and I don't know necessarily if concerns is the right word, but I mean if if you feel like you know a lot of the things we've talked about if if those, because that group of individuals is just ultimately more susceptible to this type of thing or? Yeah, good question. I, I think there's, you know, definitely everything I talk about is is great for men and women. Yep. All of us could benefit from strategies to increase our productivity. I think some of it for, for moms, I find is there's, there's some extra expectations that we put on ourselves that society puts on us a little bit as well. Like the example that that you gave, that's a pretty common situation where dad goes into the office, works all day, comes home. Mom's been trying to maybe work from home, but also try and manage a family too, right? That's still a pretty common situation for a lot of us day to day. And just as you said, we're all getting a little bit of a taste of that right now, right? What it's like to actually try and work from home and manage family when kids aren't able to go to childcare, when we're trying to do all of these things. And I find, again, I'm sure men do this too, but women especially, we tend to be really tough on ourselves um, when we're not meeting those expectations. So, you know, you have that to-do list, you don't get through it. Oh man, I totally failed, right? I did a bad job today. I'm not doing good enough. And I find that, you know, women, moms in particular, really bad at beating ourselves up for not doing enough in these situations, which unfortunately just makes us more stressed and less productive, right? Yeah, and probably a big contributor to things when you think about like postpartum depression and and that type of thing, right? I mean, when I mean, just like you said, I mean, the brain the brain doesn't like change, right? And and talk about one of the most probably significant changes that you could introduce into your life is all of a sudden the introduction of a child. So right, yeah, totally. And you know, we're talking about the structural, but there is there are some biological changes too there, absolutely that can play a role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is amazing. Interesting. So th- uh, kind of rolling back to, again, kind of rolling back to some of these, some of these concepts. So you had, I believe you had worked on a, a number of, of different courses and say like, like tools and utilities um, that are, they're kind of available to people as a, is kind of a starting point. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about, about kind of what that looks like or? Sure. Yeah. I, I do have a number of workbooks on my website that folks can go to and download. Um, trying to remember which ones I have up there right now. I have one specifically on habits and how to ditch bad habits. Talks a lot about some of the mindset things we talked about today, how to convince your brain that it's worth changing, right? How to get over that resistance to, oh, it's so much easier just to stay the same and just to keep doing what I'm doing. How do we get through that? How do we convince our brains that change is actually the better option? So that's um, up there as well. I also have some um, downloadable resources on managing stress and um, feelings of guilt, especially mom guilt, like I said, to go with my podcast. Um, A great resource to start with. I love this one. I hope other people like it. But on my website, I have a quiz uh, that's super fun. It only takes a few minutes. It's Uh, will help you understand how your unique personality impacts how you handle stress, how you handle pressure, uh, what can you do to increase your productivity based on your personality style, and even increase your confidence day to day. Yeah. I believe that my wife has actually taken that test, um, but I don't think I have yet. I'm kind of, okay. I'm kind of scared to do it, but I will. But I will do it. <laughs> um, one other thing that I wanted to kind of run past. So I, I mean, I, I love reading. Um, I don't read necessarily as much as I as I wish I did. But mm-hmm. if one thing, one thing that I do love particularly reading, and my reading kind of goes into two major categories, right? I don't, I don't really read a whole lot of fiction anymore. I used to kind of when I was younger, right? But when I'm reading, I either like the, say, like the generic mindset type books, right? You know, where they kind of, you know, where they kind of explore a lot of these concepts, or I like the nuts and bolts mechanic type books, right? You know, I'm here to learn about a specific topic or a specific theory or whatever the case it is. Now, speaking to I guess like the mindset books and stuff like that. And again, maybe, maybe kind of looking at, you know, some of the more kind of mainstream ones, would you, do you have any suggestions of what people should, uh, any specific books that kind of people should, should kind of look at and read at? And, and part of the reason why I brought this up is because 
I mean, one of the one of my favorite books that I actually read was called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a F, right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to want to say it just in case this video gets demonetized or something like that. Yeah. But one of the concepts that I loved in that book, well, actually, there was two like two really key concepts, and they talked about you know people looking for motivation, right? Going out there and trying to and trying to get motivated, right? You're going to listen to these you're going to listen to YouTube videos, um, you know, you're going to read books, you're going to kind of walk around the house, you're going to go walk, you know, go for a walk in your backyard, kind of look at things and everything else, right? You know, trying to figure out like what motivation, where are you? Motivation kind of coming in, right? And they talked a lot about motivation coming from ultimately just doing the thing that you're that you're trying to do right so if you're trying to write a book right you know just start just starting to write not necessarily worrying about the quality of whatever it is you're writing or something like that but again just kind of just kind of taking the motions and kind of just get it rolling right um again as it i mean as it relates to a lot of what you've seen i mean where i guess where have you seen that kind of like i guess like the really the practical application for that where have you seen that apply Yeah, absolutely. And so our brains definitely learn the fastest and the best by taking action, right? right? We can, yes, we can learn by, by reading, by trying to absorb, by kind of doing that mental work, but really, if you want to change the fastest way is to actually do it. Our brains learn so much faster by taking action. It's so much more um, effective when we're doing the thing. Right. And I know I hear you too, in terms of mindset, um, in terms of confidence too, that's another one where I hear it is like, I'll just eventually have confidence. And if I just keep doing all these readings and I just keep thinking about it, I'm going to build the confidence. No, that's not going to happen. Right. We build confidence by trying new things. And then our brain learns, Oh, that wasn't actually as awful as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Next time I'll be more confident, but taking action is really the best way. Something you mentioned about, you know, beating ourselves up a little bit too much, you know, when we don't accomplish necessarily what we want to accomplish. <clears throat> one of the one of the other great stories that they kind of highlighted in the book, they talked about a I mean, they talked about basically a gentleman. They didn't they didn't identify who he was kind of when they were kind of giving the explanation of it. Right. But they talked about a gentleman, you know, um, you know, multi multi gold CDs that got released, you know, um, very, very, you know, very, very popular band, you know, made has made millions of dollars and everything else um, and ultimately sees himself as a failure. And particularly the reason as to why he saw himself as a failure is because the gentleman they were talking about was Dave Mustaine, who was the lead guitarist and uh, and singer of the band Megadeth, who used to be at one point in time the lead guitarist of the band Metallica. <laughs> so, so even though he had a tremendous amount of success as you know in Megadeth, again comparatively to what he looked at, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I'm here, and sure, I did good, but I could have been here. And, and I should have had every opportunity to do that. And I think, you know, a very interesting concept, it's something you, you leaned into about really beating ourselves up too much is, yeah, I think when we start, when we start doing comparisons of ourselves mm-hmm. against somebody else, and maybe somebody else who has achieved a whole lot more success, yeah, I, like I imagine that is probably an incredibly negative feeling, an incredibly negative uh, experience for the brain to go through. Totally. Uh, another book I'd recommend that, that talks about this a lot is um, from Dr. Carol Duick. She's a psychologist. It's called Mindset, the New Psychology of Success. So the original book is is a little bit older, but I, there are some newer editions that have come out more recently. And what she was, um, Dr. Duick is the first person to ever talk about that idea of growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Probably heard about that before. And what she talks about in this book is how People who have a growth mindset are always, basically they're lifelong learners, right? They always feel that they can grow and change. And so when they make a mistake, they switch to a different band and it's not as usually as successful as their other band. They view that as a learning experience and an opportunity for personal growth. But most of us fall into the trap of having a fixed mindset where when something goes wrong, we take it as a personal trait. So it's not that I failed in doing this. It's that I am a failure, which holds us back from trying new things because we don't actually believe that we can change. Um, Anyone who you hear say things like, you know, I'm so unlucky or this other person is so lucky that they had this happen to them. That's that fixed mindset coming in, right? Uh, All these things are happening around me and I can't change that versus a growth mindset where, yeah, sometimes things happen that are out of my control, but I can take that as a learning opportunity to grow. It's a great book. 
Yeah. I really like that book too. Sorry, just um, even though it's written by an academic, sometimes acad- sometimes those books are tough to read, right? <laughs> For all of us. Um, really user-friendly book, really written in super easy to understand language. She talks about all the different research that's gone into, you know, from kids to adults, understanding how this growth versus fixed mindset can impact whether or not we're going to be successful in life. Yeah. And it, and it's great to hear that, you know, that they were able to, you know, again, as an academic kind of take that, take that approach and put it in a plain language. I'll be one of the first to admit that if I'm at chapters um, and looking, you know, looking through books or something like that, right. And I see something like, you know, high performance habits or something like that, right. That I, you know, a book that I'm interested in reading. And a lot of times I will, I will shy away if, 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 if the doctor, if the doctor title is at the front of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, and again, I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge in that, in that specific aspect. It's just been my own personal experience from a couple of those books that I've read where they just, they go a little too heavy into, into the background on it for me. Yeah. Um, and again, a little, and a little bit too heavy into it to the point where I just get lost. Right. It's just, I mean, it's just, maybe they're not they're not speaking they're not speaking to me as a non-academic right it's almost like they're speaking more like a like a peer group type thing so the fact that totally so the fact that you know you, you specifically mentioned that that book is perfect for say you know like the common reader or something like that uh that is definitely one i'm gonna uh, that is definitely one i'm gonna try to track down because i love that stuff just absolutely yeah. love it. So. i know I, I don't like that either when yeah. like i i read a lot obviously i went to school yeah. for a bazillion years and even then like there's still <laughs> books right where i'm like it's a slog to get through and how fun is that you end up putting it down right no this is a really good book for reading. Oh, that is fantastic. Uh, anything specifically that you wanted to highlight on on our topic of discussion today that we kind of haven't dug, we kind of haven't dug into? I, I know we, we we kind of initially went down this path. It's like, oh, you know, these are these are the couple things that we're going to talk about. Um, I, I imagine this has been like a little bit of a scattershot shotgun blast in kind of just all the directions we've gone. But nevertheless, great content. I, I've I've loved I've loved absolutely every minute of this. Uh, anything that we missed that you really want to highlight as part of this? I think in terms of productivity in your brain, kind of the main things to keep in mind are that, you know, your brain loves routine. It loves efficiency, really hates distraction. Anything that we can do to reduce those distractions in our environment, in our brains, set up our space so we're as you know, distraction-free as we can be given the realities of our world sometime, but all of that is going to increase your efficiency. One thing we didn't talk about yet, and I think is important to bring up as well, is that our brains can only stay focused for so long. And I know a lot of us have a tendency to kind of just push through our day, right? Like, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to work on this until this is done. I'm going to work through my lunch hour. I'm just going to keep going. Actually, the wrong habit in terms of efficiency. Your brain can only stay focused for about 60 to 90 minutes on a task and most elite performers know that, right? They train in 90 minute um, increments, high level uh, business people do this as well. They work in 90 minute chunks and then take a five to 10 minute break to do something else. Because really once you're pushing past that, your efficiency is going down. So you're really not getting as much done as you could during the day. So give yourself that space to take breaks throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, that's difficult and that's tough. Um, I think that particularly a lot of us, uh, as soon as you, as soon as you kind of enter in this world of say, you know, entrepreneurship and business and investment and all this other kind of thing, um, I think there generally just does seem to be this approach of, you know, what I'm a hustler, I'm a grinder, you know, you know, it's me against the world. I can, I, I can take, you know, you know, I don't need to rest. I don't get tired. Right. Rah, rah, rah. And away we go type thing. Um, and, and I think you can maybe do that for a little bit, <laughs> but I found yeah. that, yeah, I mean, you, you get burnt out quick. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's impossible to, like you said, just have, just have 16 hour days every day type thing. I mean, that's yeah, it just, that doesn't last very long. <laughs> yeah. It's not a long-term solution, right? Yeah, totally. Short-term we can handle it, but yeah. not over the long-term. And it is a, it's a, it's a mindset shift, right? I totally get you. You're, you're starting this business. You're wanting to do everything you can. And you feel like if you just don't sleep and don't eat and don't go to the washroom, then I am going to save like four hours of my day. How much can I get done? But really our brains aren't meant to work at that high level of efficiency for that long. And in the long run, it's going to, it's going to burn you out. You're going to get sick, right? Which is going to tank your efficiency, boo. Um, and you're also just not going to get as much done. Oof. <laughs> Good. Great, great, great 
information for anybody who's listening, right? Because I think, yeah, I mean, don't uh, don't burn yourself out. We want you. We want you to keep around. We want you to keep doing what you're doing, and want to make sure you got the energy to keep plugging through. Uh, a couple comments here, really quick. Uh, so my wife Jennifer did actually post uh, Nicole's quiz right in the chat. So please reach out. Uh, try that see see what you get as results i will commit to doing it here today too um and then also from craig barker he's a real estate investor actually out of the manitoba area and he said that the subtle art of not giving an f is one of his favorite books as well so awesome thanks a lot craig thanks for chiming in good um so one of the things that i thought i would let everybody know and i know that when you and i kind of first had this had this discussion about kind of getting together and you know hey let's talk about some things brains and and um, and productivity and you know just kind of like mental health and mindset in general uh we came up with a fairly lengthy list of things that we would like to discuss and one of the things that i said is i said oh you know what would be great let's see if we can actually break this out into say something like a three-part series or something along those lines right so happy to say that we are actually going to be getting Dr. Nicole Byers back on the show again here in the future and we're going to have some more very interesting topics again kind of along the same lines and and definitely leaning into her background of a lot of this but I think that uh, something that everyone's going to get a whole lot of value out of so and I appreciate you committing to do that so yeah no problem (laughs) and if folks you know have questions for you between now and then just let us know and we can you know make sure we tailor our discussion next time to answer those that is fantastic. So again, Dr. Nicole Byers, you can catch her on Facebook at Dr. Nicole Byers, as well as Instagram at Dr. Nicole Byers. It's always nice when people have just like nice, easy, nice, easy ways to find me and that type of thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, with the Rocky Mountain Neurosciences, uh, uh, her website's on the ticker here below, but I believe that it's actually just drnicolebyers.com, if I'm correct. Correct. Perfect. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. Again, Nicole, thank you very much for spending some time with us here today. I think this was absolutely just great. Um, I'm, I'm going to take I'm going to take a lot of lessons out of this and definitely try to see if I can apply them in my life. Right, um, slowly. Right, not 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 try to do everything at once. Definitely, mm-hmm. but I think that there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of benefit to be had out of this. So. Great. Thanks for having me. Look forward to coming back again. (laughs) That's awesome. So again, everybody, thanks for tuning in here. This was a fantastic discussion. Again, your host, Sean Claremont, is part of the show. Dr. Nicole Byers as our very special guest here today. And we will see you guys here soon. Thanks again, guys.